Okay, well, I'm excited to talk tonight. Um, we are going to be talking for the next few weeks on epic falls. Epic falls. I know you've seen epic fails, like on the internet, you know, the people who had just one job and all of those kinds of things. But um, in my life, epic falls has been a little bit more of a theme. Um, I, I, have, um, I have this condition that you should just know about. I can trip over everything. I can trip over nothing. I can trip over just, I can stand here and trip. It's just, it's a gifting. Um, they don't have it in the Bible, but but I, it's a gifting. And so um, I discovered this early on in my life, but I, I just want to share with you for your amusement a few of my favorite epic falls. Um, one was when I was learning to snow ski. Now, people who have epic fall syndrome shouldn't snow ski, but at that point, I hadn't been fully diagnosed, so, you know, they did take me out on the slopes, and so I was standing next to a lift, I was standing on skis next to a lift, I was standing there, and I was standing there one moment, and the next moment, I was on top of my head in a ditch that was not close and my skis were kind of flailing, and everybody was so confused because it was like, was, was she teleported into the ditch? How did that happen? But, you know, that was just one of many, many, many times. I can remember carrying my little brother, Dakota. He's so cute. He's wonderful, but this may explain some of the things about him. Um, I was carrying him one day from church, and at Shreveport Community Church, there are 10 steps. I know because I've counted them. There are 10 steps down from the stage onto the ground, and at that point, the steps were all the way around, and so I had him on the stage, and I was holding him as a little one-year-old, and he was so adorable, and I was looking at him, and he was looking at me, and we were having a moment as we walked down the stairs. If you have epic fall syndrome, you have to look where you're going. You cannot look at cute babies. And so I stepped off the second step from the top, and I found that I was falling very rapidly down the stairs with the one-year-old. And all I could think was, I have a baby in my arms, so I probably should do something. So I thought, well, he's very tubby. He'll roll. And so... <laughs> So I did a full layout down the stairs, sacrificing my ribs, and then kind of gently bounced him down the next two. He didn't even cry. He thought it was great. It was fantastic. I like to say that that's the beginning of his adventuresome period of his life. But my favorite fall of all time was when I was in college. And I walked out of a building well, let's be honest, I hadn't gotten completely out of the building. It was one of those old college buildings, you know, that have the steps down the side, you know, they're very steep, and, and there's the threshold, and then it's just straight down, straight down, very far, straight down, and, and, it, and it comes from the second story, because the first story is kind of underground, half underground, half not underground, and, and I was thinking about my Chinese class, and I was so excited about it. I was like, yes, this was great. I learned today. I'm going to learn tomorrow. I love college. I am a nerd through and through. I was so excited, and I was kind of looking at some papers. Once again, you shouldn't look at things if you have epic fall syndrome, and I tripped over the threshold, and I fell out of the building all the way down, all the way down, all the way down. And I landed on my hands and knees. And I knew it was a bad fall because I looked up and I looked across the quadrangle. And there was somebody who was just a speck in the distance. And they literally went, that's how you know you have had a truly epic fall. But um, we've all had falls in our life, right? 
So we have real falls, and then, you know, some of us have other kinds of falls, and we can feel so devastated by them. We can feel hurt. We can feel embarrassed. We can feel confused. We can feel, um, you know, betrayed, violated, desperate. We can feel all kinds of things when we fall. I mean, really, society loves epic falls, don't we? We prop people up on a pedestal, and then when they fall, oh, my goodness, I mean, I think about the, the Olympics. Here we have one of the most celebrated Olympians that we've ever had. You know, he has something like 12 medals. And I had never really heard his name until he makes a false police report. And suddenly, I can't get away from the dude. I mean, he's getting tackled on, on live television. Lochte, if you haven't heard of him. But, you know, he's this amazing swimmer, and he's gotten all of these medals. I've never heard of him because the only person who apparently is on the medal team um, is either on the gymnastics or is Phelps. You know, there's only, there's only that amount of people who are actually on the Olympics for the U.S. And so here's this guy. He has 12 Olympic medals, and nobody's heard of him, but we love it when they fall. We love it when they fall. We eat up the epic falls, but we have a God who also specializes in epic falls. He specializes in epic falls. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul tells us that in our weakness, that God is stronger. That in our weakness, we find that God is the most strong that when we are at our lowest, when we have fallen the farthest, that's when we find out that God scoops us up and he puts us in a place where we never could have been in the first place. And all throughout the Bible, there are stories of epic falls, but really they're stories of God's grace. And so that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is stories of these epic, epic epic falls. Um, the verse for our, uh, for our, our theme is going to be Romans 8. It says Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, some people have used this as the scripture to kind of throw in the Christian, everything happens for a reason. That's not what it says. It says that God can take broken pieces of anything and he can make masterpieces out of those broken pieces. That's what he says. He says that God can take the broken pieces of our choices and our decisions and he can make masterpieces out of them. He can use the things that we would throw away. He can use the people that we would throw away. He can use the events in our lives that we would rather forget. He can use epic falls to show off his epic grace. And so let's talk about the very, very first epic fall, the original, the original epic fall. If you go to Genesis 3, if you go to Genesis 3, we see God having created the earth and created the world, and it's this beautiful, beautiful first two chapters of Genesis, and the world is great, and, and God's created Adam, and he's created Eve, and he has given them dominion over the earth, and he's told them to name the animals. He's told them all kinds of wonderful things. Um, while Johannes Amritzer was here, he talked about how God um, called them and that he commissioned them, but then he clothed them. And that he clothed them with authority, and he clothed them with, with power, and he clothed them with dominion, and he clothed them with his spirit, that he clothed them. And so they are surrounded, and they are clothed, and they are covered. And then Genesis 3 happens. And so we see that 
the serpent, comes. And the Bible says that he was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? And the woman replies, of course we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden. It's only one tree. It's just the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And the servant tell, the serpent tells her, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman is convinced. The woman's convinced. You know, here God is. God has created the garden for them. He's created them for each other, and he's given them this incredible mission. But she buys into the lie that God's holding back that God's holding her back. And isn't that the way that it works for us too? We come into our new created world. We buy into Christianity and we say, okay, God, I'm all in. I'm in for you. I love you. I want to be a new creature. And then somewhere along the way, we're tempted with the thought of maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe this whole Christian thing is holding me back from what my true purpose is, from really being able to be all that I could be. You know, that's such a a deception that we can all fall into and that we have to push away, not just once or twice in our lifetime, but sometimes once or twice a day, where we go, man, gosh, I'm just... You know, I feel like I'm, I don't know, I feel like I've been following the calling of God, but, but what about what I want? What about what I want to do? I mean, what about, am I not, am I, I want to fulfill my passion. I want to fulfill my desires. I want to fulfill my, God must be holding out on me. Where, where is this abundant life that he told me about? Where is, you know, I don't, I've prayed for things and they haven't happened. Am I really sure about the things that he said in the past? That's why, like we talked about on Sunday, that constant devotion is what keeps us on the path. It's not the miraculous moments. It's the constant choice to be devoted. And, and here we see that the woman succumbs to temptation. She sees this tree is beautiful and its fruit is delicious. She wants the wisdom. She takes the fruit. She eats it. She gives some to her husband and he eats it. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they felt shame at their nakedness. Now, when Pastor Johannes was here, he he talked about the, the theory is that they were clothed with dominion and that when they stepped out from underneath God's covering and they gave over their dominion to the devil, basically, that they became aware of their nakedness because they were no longer covered. They were no longer covered. You know, it's so funny how how a little kid, um, Carolina Lee is just one of my favorite little people. She's five. She's adorable, and she's great. And I'm glad I like her because she's mine, and I can't give her back. But she's she's so, so much fun, and she's just very precocious. And I remember when she was three, we were at, in Miami, we were with um, my sister and, and my brother-in-law, and we were in a pool, and I had her in some floaties, and, and I said, now, baby, I said, you, you can swim with these floaties with mama, but, but we can't take off these floaties. So she was swimming around with her floaties and with me, and just, oh, she loved it. She just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And then she said, mama, I can swim without these floaties. 
I said, really? You can swim without these floaties? I said, well, you haven't learned how to swim yet. You will be able to, and it's going to be great. I'm not going to be the one to teach you, but somebody's going to teach you how to swim without these floaties. I don't want her to get epic fall syndrome. I hear it's catching, you know. And so, you know, I, you can, you're going to learn how to swim, but I'm not going to be the one who's going to teach you. And she just kept at it. No, I'm, I can swim without these floaties. I'm going to take them off. I'm going to take these floaties off. And, and I had this thought. I said, you know what? She's going to take these floaties off at some point. I can either be here when she takes these floaties off or I cannot be here. But she's going to take these floaties off. And I said, okay, great. Take them off. And I kind of turned my shoulder so that she'd think that I wasn't really looking. She took those floaties off. And, of course, she was standing on the steps, so she was good. She was like, oh, this is great. I like this. This is wonderful. And she took that one step off that step into too deep water and just sunk like that. I grabbed her right away but not before her head went under because I wanted her to understand that she could not swim without floaties. And sometimes we can start doing so great at life because, you know, we've given our life over to Jesus and things are going well and our marriage is going well and jobs going well and we can forget that it's God's grace that keeps us afloat, that it's God's grace that gives us the power to be able to deal, that it's God's grace at the base of it all. And so they found themselves naked. So they tried to cover up. They sewed up fig leaves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord. And then the Lord called to the man, where are you? He called to the man, where are you? Now, this is the thing. It's that God's omniscient and he's omnipresent. So that means he knows everything and he's everywhere right? And he's also omnipotent, which means that he is all-powerful, right? So if he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, and he's omnipotent, he was not like in shock mode when he shows up in the garden and they have messed up, right? He's not in shock mode. He knows what's gone down. And, and this is the thought that I was reading today, and, 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 and I saw somebody had said this, and I went, oh, my gosh, I've never thought about it this way. He didn't have to show up. They had broken covenant, right? They, they were done. They had broken covenant. He had given them one rule. Just like we talked about those people at the beginning who had one job, they had one rule. They had one rule. And it wasn't really, I think, the rule that we think of it as. It wasn't just don't get you the tree. It was trust me. Trust me that I know what's best for you. Trust me with your future. Trust me with your development. Trust me. Trust me. And, and the moment that she decided to not trust anymore and instead to act on that mistrust, the covenant was broken, and he would have been in his right just to say, we're done. Send an angel. I mean, he apparently has a lot of them, you know. So send an angel. Kick him out of the garden, we are done. Or send an angel and just annihilate him. Or just, hey, snap his fingers and, and you know, just say, we're going to undo earth and then we'll do earth reboot 3.0, you know, maybe at some point. He had the right to do that. And yet, what did God do? God came. God came. 
He showed up in the garden. And he didn't just show up. He showed up in the same place at the same time. And this is what I have found being around Christians is that somehow we think that if we've been meeting God in church or we've been meeting God in our prayer closet or we've been meeting God at Bible study, when we mess up, that that avenue and that that opening to God is gone. We have to go find another one. It's like, nope, that well is dry. I now have to go dig a completely different well. I have to leave the church I was in. I have to leave the Bible study. I have to leave the friends. I have to leave the pattern. I have to go do something completely different if I'm going to ever get back on track. But the reality is, is that God will still show up wherever you are. I want to be the kind of church, and I want us to be the kind of people that when we have our worst Saturday night, that we're here at the earliest service on Sunday morning. Because we can't wait to just get back together and just say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm here. Will you change me? And so, the Lord called to the man, where are you? And Adam replies, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And then comes the first comedy in the Bible. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. And the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. And that's why I ate it. This is the very earliest example of hot potato. But isn't this just what we do? We just don't want to take responsibility for our epic falls. We, we want to we blame it on something else. There has to be a reason. I mean, my, my parents didn't do enough for me. My spouse, well, they neglected me. Well, you know, my kids, if you knew how tough my job was, you'd understand why I, you know, if you just... There's always a reason. There's always a reason. But the bottom line is that at the end of the day, we're the only ones who have to live with our epic falls. And we're the only ones who are being asked by God for an answer. And God already knows all the extenuating circumstances. God knew that Eve had given Adam the fruit. God knew that the serpent had deceived Eve. He knew he wasn't asking for like a backstory. He didn't say, you know, why? He just said, have you? And I think sometimes we're so scared to just be honest with God and go, you know what? I've completely screwed up. It was me. I did it. Regardless of all the backstory, you know all of that. And by the way, you'll deal with it because the Bible says that he dealt with every single one of them. I mean, he dealt with Adam, but he dealt with Eve and he dealt with the servant. He was going to deal with all of it. But how much different would we feel if we just would walk into God's presence and go, it was me. I did it. I'm sorry. Please help me. You know, I mean, with my girls, it's so funny. I all ask them point blank things and, and they want to give me all the story, you know, like, well, but I just, but Carolina, you know, she took the toy and that's why I hit her. We're in that stage. Pray for us. You should not have to say, stop kicking your sister in the head four times a day. It's just not something that should go on in a pastor's home. 
But, you know, they want to give you all of the reasons. The reasons don't matter because the fact of it's not the reasons that keep you from God. It's the sin that keeps us from God. It's not the backstory that keeps us from God. It's the sin that keeps us from God. And if we don't release those reasons and just embrace responsibility, then we are farther from being able to be reconciled with God. So then we go back to verse 14, and the Lord says to the servant, because you've done this, you're cursed, and he curses the servant. And then he gets to um, verse 16, and he says to the woman, I'll sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and pain you'll give birth. You'll have the desire to control your husband, and he will rule over you. In other words, there's going to be conflict between the two of you. Um, instead of working together, you're going to constantly be tempted to work against each other. And that's why, you know, when it talks about unity, we have to understand that that also has to do with in our homes. You know, there's always, don't think that, don't think that you're the only one who wants to stab your husband in the heart sometimes. Okay. You're not. I know because I'm a pastor and I've had that thought too. And you know what? If I've had that thought about my amazing husband, then I know he's had that thought about me. Now, I'm not being funny about violence. What I'm saying is that there's really is a reality that there's an enemy that wants to keep that enmity between man and wife. He wants to destroy that relationship. He wants us as women to constantly feel defensive and offensive towards men. He wants men to discount and to discourage women and to not listen to the voices of half the people in the world, which is absolutely ludicrous because, you know, God put all of us on the earth to work together for the mission. I mean, you know, he wants that. That's what the enemy wants because that's the legacy of the fall. It's division. And then he says to the man, and he says, your life's going to be really difficult and all of these different things. Um, But this is what I love. This is what I love is that God doesn't stop there. God clothes them, and he sends them out of the garden. He clothes them. He clothes them with animal skins. But he clothes them again. You know, they rejected the first covering, that covering of dominion, that beautiful thing, and yet God was still willing to clothe them again. And you know, what's great is that now that we live in the new covenant, we understand that God will clothe us with his spirit again. He'll clothe us with his spirit again. You know, I, I think that sometimes we get so discouraged by our epic falls. We get so discouraged. And maybe you're going, well, Destiny, I haven't had like one of those ones that would end up on the front page of this newspaper or that newspaper. But we all have disappointed ourselves and sinned to the point where we, we, we've had the epic fall, right? And we, most of us have had that. And in fact, I would go with all on the right side of our Christianity after we've already accepted Jesus after we've already entered into covenant with him, after we've already made that decision, we've had epic falls. And there's always the question of, is is grace somehow a one-time get-out-of-jail-free card? You know? Like, I accept Jesus, but if you mess up after that, you are sunk. Oh, man. Goodness gracious. You know? I mean, it's just... Well, that kind of thinking would lead us to just be as old as we possibly could be before we would get saved, right? You just like you just like try to time it, you know? Like that doesn't even make sense. That's not it at all. No. 
Instead, God puts us on a journey where he is constantly sanctifying us and helping us to grow. And when we fall, he picks us up, we repent, and we have a chance to just continue on. Just step by step and step by step. God will clothe you again. God will clothe you again. You haven't missed out on being part of the great adventure. You haven't missed out on being part of the great commission. You have not missed out on being everything that God has called you to be. Because God has called us to be one thing, and that's servant of all. You know, sometimes we can get this idea that to be all we can be, we have to have a mic or a platform. But I was just as much who God called me to be when I was running, you know, the, the, the overhead projector for my dad for years, when I've stacked churches, chairs at different churches around the country, you know, when I'm up in the upstairs doing legal documents so that we'll be able to move forward as a church, that, that's as much of a servant position as when I do this. In fact, sometimes it's more so, Right? And we can get caught up in the light, but God puts the light, and then he moves on. We serve all the time, whether people see us or not. And we're all called to be the servant of all. So because our calling is all the same, to be servant of all, we never run out of the chance to be all that God has called us to be. And God will clothe you again. God will clothe you again if you will just let him You know, when you got saved, it says that we take on the righteousness of Christ. That doesn't go away when we have our epic falls. As long as we are continuing to come back to him and and, and work through the journey, we have a chance to be clothed again. If you look in Romans 5, 6, you just see this beautiful picture of what God did in response to this epic fall, to the original epic fall, Romans 5, 6. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. FYI, that's you and me. That's not them. That's you and me. God, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates, and by the way, I think that one's really funny because, of course, Jesus said that there is none good but God. So, though for a good person, which doesn't exist, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Just as that, just and going all the way down to 18, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification in life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man the many will be made righteous. 
The law was brought in so that trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, even in the most difficult of times, when there is the most darkness in our lives, God's grace can come in and it can completely blow things away. Now, that doesn't mean that we should sin. In fact, that's what the rest of, um, the rest of Romans goes back and talks about. You know, you don't sin so that God's grace will abound. But I don't think that that's a problem with people who understand God's grace. Because when you've experienced God's grace, you don't want to have epic falls. But when you do, you don't feel like you can't come back to God. See, the difference is, is if you just constantly are like, well, you know, if I mess up one time, you're going to mess up. It's going to happen, right? At some point, you're going to do something that you're not proud of. And so, you know, and, and you may say, well, not the big things. Well, gossiping, like, was put in with murder in some of the lists in the Bible. So just saying, Facebook. But anyway, you know, we're all going to mess up. We're all going to, we're all going to. So the great thing to do is to just go ahead and say, it's grace that got me here. It's those floaties. I'm still doing this by grace. There's never a part or a time in Christianity where I take those off. I never start doing this on my own. I always have to rely on him, and I always have to trust him because there's always a part that he leaves out so that we can trust him. See, that's really what this story is about, is who are you going to trust with the gaps in your life? Are you going to allow the gaps in your life to lead you to an epic fall, or are you going to allow the gaps in your life to just lead you to epic faith. Because we all have gaps. Eve didn't understand. She didn't know why she wasn't supposed to eat the tree. God had just told her not to. Maybe there's some things in your life you don't have answers for. You don't know why the healing hasn't happened. You don't know why you haven't been given the exact desire of your heart. You don't know why you've, your life has gone the path it had. You don't know why. Maybe there's even a theological issue that you're just kind of confused on, and, and you don't know why. There's a gap. I'm firmly convinced from this story that our gaps can either lead us to epic faith or they can lead us to epic falls, but it'll be one or the other, and we have to choose. Are we going to allow our faith to lead us to being able to trust God more and go, God, there's a gap here. There just really is. I don't get it, but I trust you because I know that you have the best for me because I know that you always work all things to the good for those who love you and who are called according to your purpose because I know that you take broken pieces and you make beautiful things because I know that you are trustworthy and more than anything, I know unless Unlike Eve, I know that I'm not meant to be God, and I'm willing to allow you to be God. I'm not meant to be God, and I'm willing to allow you to be God. Would you stand with me, please? You know, there's people all over our community who are struggling with their epic falls, and they need to know about epic grace. I hope that we will be a church that confront the epic falls of our friends and our neighbors and our family members with a reminder, first off, 
that there's grace, that in their nakedness they can be clothed again, that they have a chance to be whole again, that they have a chance to be on mission again. You know, these messages aren't just for us. God doesn't just take care of our epic falls. He wants to take care of the people around us. And it's so important that we have the mentality that God is judge, but we are the missionaries of grace. We get to bring the gospel. That's who we are. And the gospel is good news. The gospel is that no matter how far gone you are, that you have a chance to know Jesus, that you have a chance to have his Holy Spirit, that you have a chance to be clothed again. What a beautiful opportunity to bring that story to every single person in our lives. But sometimes we can get confused and we can take God's job and we can think that our number one goal is just to judge. But, but I, I love this. When Adam and Eve sinned, God came. He talked to them, even though he didn't have to. God came, he confronted them, he chastised them, he covered them, he clothed them, and he sent them out. But then he came again. Then he came again. And he keeps coming. And he keeps coming. And if we're going to be Jesus to the world, then the pattern of our life should be to keep showing up even when people don't deserve it, even when we have a right not to anymore, even when maybe they've broken covenant with us to keep showing up and to keep showing up and to keep showing love and to keep showing grace and to keep being kind and to keep being Jesus to the people that need us the most because Adam and Eve needed God. They went from being confused about one thing to being confused about everything. Their doubt about one thing led them to mass confusion about everything. Can you imagine that brokenness? how they felt, how scared they were. And God showed up. Sometimes the people in our life just need us to show up to. Just show up to with a message of grace that says, yeah, this fall is probably going to result in some bruises. Yeah, this probably isn't going to be the most fun thing you've ever gone through, but man, I'll stay with you. I'll make sure that you're clothed. I'll make sure that you know that there is a God that loves you and that is just waiting for you to call on him. That's who we can be. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Thanks for listening today. We hope you were encouraged by the word of God. If you'd like more information on North Point Community Church, you can find us online at www.northpoint.ccpeople.com.